Hello and welcome to the Behavior Project, a podcast where we explore ideas to help you make better choices and decisions at work. I'm your host Shyam Sadasivan, a behavior science geek and a passionate curator of stories from people doing what they love. In this podcast, I talk about shifts in human behavior, bring in learnings from leading academic research, and offer you practical actions you may consider for yourself. For more information or to get in touch with us, please visit thebehaviorproject.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Behavior Project podcast. I'm your host Sham Sadasivan and I'm delighted to welcome my guests today from Diversity Dialogues. I have Ritesh Rajni and Madhumita Venkatraman here with me. We are uh, have been talking about getting together f- for some time and I'm absolutely delighted you both could join me today. I would love to uh, hear more about what you do and your efforts in the DNI space, the diversity and inclusion space, which is what we're going to talk about today. Uh, before we kick off, uh, Ritesh, hi. Madhumita, hi. I'm going to ask you guys to uh, introduce yourselves to our audience today. Hey, Sham. Hi. Thank you for having us here. Uh, I'll go with my introduction and then uh, Madhu will follow. So I am Ritesh Rajani. I have about 17 years of experience and um, it's a very mixed experience because I started off following my passion of being a software developer. Done that for about 14 years and have um, organically and gradually moved into the diversity and inclusion space. Um, and for the last uh, three, four years, I have been uh, working in the space of diversity and inclusion on, uh, you know, for various um, communities in the gender space, in the disability space, in the LGBTQIA space. My last role was uh, the diversity and inclusion partner for IBM Asia Pacific. I have uh, my education, as I said, was in uh, primarily in software. So I have a master's in computer science. Uh, I have a U.S. patent in the field of radio frequency identification. I am passionate about uh, assistive technologies. And uh, I also learned the basics of Indian Sign Language last year. So that's my introduction over to you, Madhu. All right. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Ritesh. And thank you, Sham, for having uh, us here. Um, so to tell you a little bit about myself, you know, I, I, I think the first thing that sort of describes me in many ways is that I myself am a, a woman with a disability. Um, you know, I have an orthopedic disability by birth. And I think it is very uh, sort of, uh, it has played an instrumental role in defining who I am. Um, so that is one part of my identity. Of course, uh, you know, there are many other things that I could say about myself. I come from a Tamilian family, born, brought up, lived in all other parts of India except for Tamil Nadu. And uh, educationally, I come with a background in HR, followed by a background now in counseling. So I'm also a certified counselor. Um, And of course, I started off as an HR professional, ended up working with companies like Mercer, uh, GE, uh, then moved on to uh, Snapdeal, uh, where I was playing a dual role of being their head of uh, HR for the South, as well as leading their diversity and inclusion um, agenda, and also then uh, leading diversity and inclusion for uh, Hindustan Coca-Cola beverages. So have had extensive experience in diversity and inclusion. I think it's clearly also an absolute passion area uh, for me. Uh, And this includes a whole gamut, region, religion, you know, uh, identities, all kinds of identity, age, gender, disability, LGBTQIA, uh, the idea is to make uh, the world more inclusive for everybody. That is my dream. So yeah, so thank you once again. Back to you, Shah. 
Thank you guys so much. What a wonderful introduction. Um, I, I have so much that I can relate to you guys uh, with already, Ritesh. I'm also a fellow techie and uh, moved into uh, areas of HR eventually through my uh, career. And Madhumata, I speak Tamil and I'm in HR. So I, I know this is going to be a fantastic conversation. You guys have, now that you've introduced yourself, I feel like talking to you about your career progressions, but we are going to stick to the plan and talk about diversity mm-hmm. dialogues because, you know, that is, you know, I'm going to postpone the career conversations to another episode maybe. You guys uh, started Diversity Dialogues. I, I'd love to know, you know, what's the story behind it? How did you start it? Why did you start it? And and what do you do in Diversity Dialogues? You know, the whole idea of Diversity Dialogues did not really, really exist. Or it was not like we were like, let's all come together and do something. It was not all of that. I think uh, it started with um, me being a part of a national forum, wanting LGBT inclusion in that forum happening to a large extent. Uh, me knowing Ritesh a little bit, pulling him and then another friend, us making a guide together on LGBT inclusion um, at the workplace. This is something that you could still uh, see on Orinum. It's a 12-page small guide um, which we had built and built in for NASCOM. So it started from there. Um, Then we felt like people these days don't seem to be reading guides. So we decided we'll make a video of us talking about policies, practices and again, how do you make organizations LGBT inclusive? I'm talking about uh, 2016. So at that point in time, um, Section 377 was pretty much there. I mean, and all of that. So there weren't too many organizations doing things in the space um, and we thought it might be good for us to put out some material now so we created some kind of a video uh, to be honest for me what I take back from you know how diversity dialogues came together is really an ability to listen to feedback which I believe I have so one of the people saw the video and said no 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 you know, this video doesn't sort of match up. So you need to make a more professional video. And we started from there. Then we decided to make a series of videos. That person happened to then sort of also participate in the team and join the team. Then came in a few more people. Then a logo got created and so on and so forth. So that's how the whole journey of diversity dialogues uh, really started. It started with feedback coming our way on saying, can you tweak a particular video? And every time now somebody gives me feedback, I always think there's a great story which is going to come uh, from there. Uh, That's how I see it. Um, So that's how it got started. Um, You know, the work we largely do, we intended to do and we continue to do has been uh, to bring bring to the forefront spaces within diversity and inclusion, which are less spoken about, you know, so whether it has been in, in the period of 2016-17, talking about LGBTQ inclusion, uh, whether it has been talking about parenting, and this is parenting, uh, you know, which is not your traditional parenting, but parenting a child with disability, par- being a queer parent, uh, being a parent with a disability, a single parent, we've spoken about some of those things, putting out resources on mental health, putting out resources on uh, domestic violence more recently. And I think what is very special about us is is the fact that usually and like no almost all the time uh, it is a representation of the community's voice but it is addressed to a corporate so all these resources are addressed to say how can a corporate workspace become more inclusive for example for domestic violence survivors who during the times of covid um, are quite there so all of them sort of anchor towards that that's the uh, kind of work that we've had uh, and we've done we formalized ourselves last year uh, and post the formalization journey, I'd ask Ritesh to take. 
So we formalized last year because uh, we wanted to pursue this in a in a more formal space because we had a lot of organizations reaching out to us and from the outside we can only do so much right because you're part of another organization employed with them mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you can only um, sort of give resources which are already available mm-hmm. but uh, of course uh, you know the need uh, need to drive inclusion further being a consultant is is possible right because uh, organizations do want to work with you they want you to come in do the trainings uh, give insights to leadership and that's that's what we are doing today uh, mm-hmm. why do we do this I, I think as mother would have said we are in this space for the passion and the work in in driving inclusion forward and seeing it become a way of life and uh, that's one thing and we try to bring even in the corporate space we try to bring the voice of the community the areas that we consult and uh, most importantly because we are you know, we, the whole team is generally focused on the corporate. We are closely tied to corporates. We try to align diversity and inclusion to what the business needs. So I think that's that's how we have formalized. And uh, today our work is with various clients, um, you know, in, in different spaces of whether it's manufacturing, whether it is uh, technology, whether it's e-commerce, whether it is, uh, you know, uh, startups or multinational companies. So we are trying to take the barriers uh, of inclusion in in these some of these traditional spaces like domestic violence or or even lgbt which some companies are still starting out on first sort of uh, make them understand that this is relevant to the workplace because it's always um, what is the business need why do we even discuss these topics uh, and then go beyond that and try to build it uh, into the processes and systems so that's the kind of work uh, diversity dialogues is doing right and and your work is largely with corporates and organizations correct yes uh, while yes. it is with uh, corporates and organizations we do, we have done uh, work beyond um, you know formal corporates uh, and by workplaces i think we mean uh, not just formal organizations but it could be a startup it could be a non profit uh, we have um, you know also um, sort of spread the message of inclusion at uh, various educational institutions by speaking to them and seeing how we can make uh, education inclusive uh, in there. Um, and also, I think uh, we have um, worked with communities, uh, like uh, some of us have been part of the Bangalore Pride, uh, the mm-hmm. number Pride, and try to drive accessibility in, in that space. Uh, we worked on mentoring uh, members of the transgender community. So while while we are tied to corporates, I think we do uh, our passion goes beyond uh, just the corporate or companies uh, to various other spaces as well. From my perspective, right? I mean, I have seen in the corporate setting how the entire diversity inclusion kind of movement began and started taking some shape and form and traction over the last say uh, a decade. So I do want to ask you about how corporates actually engage with you. Your point about you know doing it from outside has a different kind of impact is very well received. I can I can definitely see that. Uh, you know, as an employee, I can contribute in a certain way. But if I'm talking about embedding into processes and so on, taking a consultative approach to it would be would be very, very different and probably more impactful. So my question to you, actually, my next question to you is what prompts a corporate to kind of engage in a in a DNA? I mean, how does that entire thing even start how does a thought to do something around diversity inclusion start and then when would someone approach you and and work with you for that 
I don't think, Sham, that there is uh, any one clear answer on this. Uh, because I think every corporate sort of looks at it differently and does it very differently. Um, okay. So, for example, I would say, um, you know, that uh, there are corporates I know of who've started the DNI journey uh, from a space of discrimination. Right. Uh, which means there have been a set of employees or one employee walking up uh, to the HR and saying, I'm being discriminated. I'm feeling the heat of this because mm -hmm. of my identity. There are slurs, there are conversations. And I think that's a great corporate because if somebody in a corporate is able to walk up to a leader and say, hey, I'm being discriminated, that also already means that they're very open in some way. Right. So that's one possible way in which it does um start off um, you know that's one uh, way in which it happens the second one which is the more uh, sort of common uh, thread that we're increasingly finding is it's becoming like a movement right so there are other a lot of companies you read about hear about it's you know you're seeing a lot of branding happening and you're saying that okay so what am i supposed to do how can i then they take forward my journey of uh, diversity and inclusion uh, because there are others and competition sometimes is great because it breathes and it sort of helps one do things that they may have not otherwise considered so that also has led to an interest in dni which means that a lot of people are asking what am I doing where am I on this journey and how can I further propel it specifically in areas like LGBTQ and all of that which are areas which have traditionally grown in the last about 10 years before that I don't think there were conversations in these diversity and inclusion largely meant um, the women uh, space essentially so some of these areas have grown also because of that ripple effect that happens because one person's doing it one organization's doing it and I feel like I'm being left out and I need to do something. I think the third, of course, is a lot of multinational companies, I think, are looking at it largely because um, fact that there is... Um, uh, globally, charters on diversity and inclusion have been around for a very, very long time. Uh, whether it is race, whether it is sexual orientation, gender identity, whether it is disability, some of these have been explored, spoken about to a large extent globally. Uh, you know, and there are markets where it's also in a very advanced stage in comparison. So that uh, those organizations, if the multinational headquarter is somewhere in the US, or you know, um, there is pressure to sort of say what are you doing in India? Um, and that pressure right. often also prompts a corporate to engage in diversity and inclusion. Uh, the last set, which is, and none of these, I mean, we're, I don't think I'm coming from a point of saying that one is better than the other. Right. Any reason to start off engaging in a journey like diversity and inclusion is welcome. But these are some of the reasons that prompt a corporate to start on the journey. The last one is a recognition. And uh, that's essentially the business recognition. The idea uh, of what is the business need for diversity and inclusion. Right. So I find uh, that... Um, you know, I'm finding retention, attrition challenges in the traditional talent that I'm employing at this point in time. If I employ a different kind of talent, uh, you know, maybe it will help me in my retention, in my attrition. It will help me maintain my talent a lot better. From a business angle, I find my, my, my customers are significantly belonging to a particular uh, group. And that group doesn't get represented in the company, in the employee population that one is looking at 
at uh, you know can i increase that can i look at that that becomes the last you know reason why i have seen this come to the forefront uh, so like i said no reasons better than the other it's uh, good as long as uh, you know one is engaging in it is how i would see it right i think it's also um, the point i would like to take a, a little more ahead on the point of what madhu mentioned that there is a lot of um, industry talk about it right and today i think there is a lot of talk about unconscious bias and what impact that has on decision making uh, and, and how does it translate into um, you know something being lost out uh, because of uh, biases playing being played so uh, a lot of organizations i know have also sort of looked at unconscious bias and then from there um chartered the part around uh, diversity and inclusion um there is also this um, mandate on representation right where uh, a lot of uh, numbers are being tracked of what is the representation of uh, largely it started with gender but now i think it's uh, Uh, the n- numbers are being tracked uh, across the board uh, but it's also not just uh, overall numbers but at various levels right uh, because uh, if you notice that it it is going to be a pyramid and it gets sharper as it as it goes on the top uh, for any kind of uh, minority community that we are talking about so a lot of organizations have also uh, looked at the numbers and seen that their report card on the metrics of uh, dni do- doesn't look that good and hence they have put in uh efforts to drive uh you know representation hiring and also building culture uh which is inclusive to these communities right thank you guys that was such a wide variety of what i might call entry points into this space for different organizations and as manvita said there's no right or wrong approach here or right or wrong right. entry here i mean some of them may start looking at it because as uh, madhumita said you know one of the first ones uh, she mentioned was when there is an actual case of uh, a case of discrimination and so on which is not the best way to start engaging in this initiative or there could be industry uh, talk about it as you said ritesh so there's many ways of uh, entering it but once they are in there uh, i presume they could work with yourselves or come up with a strategy to actually address the need for me it's fascinating because the whole representation or retention or you know from a talent perspective uh, a lot of people have spoken to about dni talk about stuff like diversity hiring which i find a little Uh, difficult to kind of relate to directly because it seems to almost set a mandate to hire more women because that's the you know one thing that people seem to really relate to uh, unfortunately but as you yourself have described the uh, work you're doing goes well beyond gender into so many other spaces so i'd love to know um in the you know work you're doing in india you know where w- what's the current state of general state of affairs and people's minds on uh, what's happening with dni you know uh what are the areas that are getting traction you know what's going on uh in this space in india right now if i have to say that um you know how is it going what's the current state of affairs i think it has never been better and it's getting better every day uh one mainly because there is a lot of talk about it right there's a lot of awareness there's a lot of a um, uh, lot of buzz around uh, being inclusive and uh, a lot of leaders are uh looking at this as their uh, kras and uh, they are looking at it as a business metric um that directly leads into performance so there is a lot of awareness and hence um it is pushing a lot of organizations to take steps forward right so i think that is definitely something that is going very well um now that said it's not a new thing right while it might uh, be a new thing for a few organizations uh it's not uh, it's not something that is 
just started. It has been going on. A lot of organizations have been um, in this space for over a decade in India, right? And working not just on gender, but also on disability. On um, There are organizations who have started on the LGBT forefront in India um, a decade ago. So there have been organizations that have been leaders in the space, and there are organizations who are starting out every day, right? So, uh, and again, a large lead has started off from the gender space, uh, but right now what is going well is that there is talk about various other spaces um, that, that organizations are doing, you know, very creative, very innovative, uh, pushing the barriers. Um, so that's, I think, something which is going well. So let me add uh, another point on, uh, I, I did mention that there are organizations who have been working, uh, you know, over a decade and, uh, uh, you know, there are organizations starting out today. The good news is that we do have a lot of uh, data and statistics uh, also, uh, you know, from, from organizations like CII and NASCOM, also private players and consultants who have looked at uh, how this industry has progressed um, not just gender, but also there are uh, metrics on disability and a few studies on LGBT as well. So we do have uh, qualitative data uh, on you know which organizations are um, the, the sort of giving the best practices and um, the benchmarks uh, for organizations to lead and follow. Oh, that's uh, that's really good. I did not know that we could actually uh, relate to uh, an overall metric uh, across across DNA initiatives in India. That's really good to know. Madhumita, did you have anything to add to you know what your thoughts are on the current state of affairs? Yeah, so I definitely think that um, you know in the, about the last five years, this space has become um, quite. Um, explored by many many organizations workplaces corporates in general if you even look at it minus the corporate world because the corporate uh, system is usually uh, is a microcosm a micro uh, you know of the larger society that we live in and in the larger society that we live in there is greater conversation uh, whether it be meet the me too movement whether it be you know uh, talking about um, black lives matter or many of these things i think they have come to the forefront a lot more um, you know in India by itself uh, some of the legislations that have changed have sort of also led to it uh, whether it's the reading down of section 377 the rights to persons with disability act um, of 2016 I think many of these things have prompted a lot of more conversations within corporates beyond corporates and so on so I definitely think there is a movement Having said that, um, you know, for me, the current state of affairs, I think, is very simply, you know, described. Every organization is trying to do something, trying to do a few things. But there isn't a clear picture on what really uh, this means. You know, what does diversity and inclusion mean? How can I be diverse and inclusive in everything I do? There are a few more things. There is more, um, you know, focus that needs to be, according to me, put into spaces like policies, practices, infrastructure. Many of those things need a lot more uh, focus. Um, you know, it needs to go beyond uh, unconscious bias and trainings and conversations on it to that reflecting somewhere instances and things like that and i'm not saying that it's um 
you know that companies aren't doing it but i think in these spaces the journeys are relatively new they are relatively slow um you know um you know and lastly how does the employee voice come through in this whole picture uh, you know for example it, it, if i am a gay person today in the country is it um is it like in any organization i can go and sort of be out there and i know i will have the level of respect and the level of uh, you know acceptance i'm not sure that is the scenario right now so those are spaces where making it more real and things like that there needs to be a lot more that needs to be done but definitely uh, the journey has begun and uh, uh, you know there is a lot happening in the space there's a lot of uh, buzz uh, there's lots of dialogue there's lots of all of that happening so uh, eventually it will lead to you know more translation on the ground for sure so far with what you're saying about your work and what you have noticed it's really uh, constructive it's really positive for me uh, because the one quote that i have at least seen uh, used and i have used it myself is uh, verna maya saying diversity is being invited to the party and inclusion is being asked to dance the invitation right. to the party certainly seems to be coming or people are talking about the party and people want to invite people to the party uh, whether the dance will happen is really up to how the corporates how the organizations how the society really signs up to the to the diversity that's uh, that's available and you know how we can actually get everyone dancing with each other and getting the most benefit out of being this kind of diverse workforce or diverse society whichever um, whichever way you're looking at it so first of all what all that you have said is kind of filling me with a lot of optimism so thank you so much what i'd like to do in the in the time we have left is to cover some of the uh, more behavioral aspects of what you see you know uh, you're saying quite a few things are working well i'm wondering in terms of not working well or in terms of constructive feedback on certain things for example uh, i know ritesh you've uh, spoken before about when we talk about diversity hiring or talking about gender hiring there seems to be a push for a quota for women which is not necessarily the outcome you expect out of a dni initiative uh, you want a diverse workforce you want variety of opinion and and so right. on doesn't necessarily translate into you know your recruiters just you know finding women even if they don't fit the bill for the work required because clearly that would not be a great behavior to see in terms of the behaviors other behaviors that you may see that you would like to say aha you know what if you just did that a little differently our initiative would really go you know go better I'm wondering whether you have right. some more examples of of those kind of behaviors that you'd like to change. Um I think uh, diversity and inclusion is you know uh, of course it is about the processes and the policies and the infrastructure but largely it's also about mindset right it's about bringing the change in mindsets. Um and any initiative that uh, is taken by the organizations at the end it needs to translate for an employee right and it uh, who who needs to feel belonged not only included but also not only being invited and asked to be dancing uh, asked to dance but also uh, dancing as if nobody is there in the room right mm-hmm. for that to happen um i think um, it's it's not just the organization's policies but also how does the manager treat the person how does the team treat the person um you know are they feeling welcome are they feeling like going to work every day uh, are they having uh, enough opportunities to grow excel are they compensated fairly um, and and you know getting the promotions and being able to you know progress like uh, everybody else so uh, i think it's all of that and how does it translate to a person right so that's that's not just the organization thing but it's also about changing mindsets um and i think what what needs to happen better when uh, when such initiatives of diversity inclusion are taken is to 
to understand the difference between uh, equity and equality right and if people can understand that for themselves um, at every level then i think these uh, initiatives will you have better buying in across levels and uh, you know sometimes like you mentioned the example of um, the hiring uh, targets that that uh, managers get it might be very clear at the business um, leader level as to why we are doing why we want to increase the percentage of a certain uh, demographic right but if the meaning and messaging does not translate clearly to the to the hiring manager level it might come across as being you know uh, being appeasing a particular minority uh, it might be like oh we are suddenly you know a woman is being hired even without the merit that that's a mindset um sometimes if there's a lot of push without the right messaging it might lead to that kind of a mindset where we feel like yes. okay uh, it's shameful to have privilege or it is uh, you know it is suddenly being uh, tokenistic or uh, uh, patronizing minority community yes indeed how its message is very important otherwise it could go really south you 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 mentioned equality versus equity could you could you elaborate a bit on what the difference is and what it means to the the, the work you're doing uh, see when we say equality it it sort of tries to give the message that we want to create uh, a world that is equal right um, and yes in idealistic um, world we want everybody to be equal but today you know the world isn't equal for everybody um there are communities like for example the marginalized transgender community right um, that there, there are uh, trans people who are engaged today in uh, not in mainstream locations but perhaps uh, you know they they are engaged in begging and sex work and today tomorrow if a corporate says oh let's just recruit uh, you know give jobs to uh, trans community mm-hmm. it's not going to happen right because even if you say okay now i'm very i'm an equal employer and i'm giving all equal opportunity to the trans community just by doing that it's not going to it's not going to be enough where you have trans people coming and taking up jobs in in the corporate sector right uh, and that's where you need to focus on equity which looks at where where are communities being left behind what are the gaps in skills competencies opportunities uh-huh. and fill those um gaps whether it's a policy gap whether it's a skill gap whether it's an opportunity gap uh and only if we work on on certain affirmative interventions is that gap going to be bridged so um, um equity is bridging those gap before claiming that everybody is equal madhu do you want do you have any other different perspective on equity versus equality no ritesh i think um... what you're saying is uh, you know is is right see i would take a more uh, organization view on this and i would actually say that something like uh, what it translates into is if i were to look at equality as a very simple yardstick i would say everybody gets the same thing so if i'm going to hire a person with visual impairment a blind person tomorrow i will not then go ahead and make some assistive um, you know reasonable accommodations i will not make a few things which are required to enable the person to enable the person to perform that's equality saying the same thing they get the same laptop they will get and the same laptop an able bodied person will also get whereas equity says that you know if there is a person who needs a specific kind of assistance a specific kind of accommodation i am not going to put the equality scale there but i'm going to say what does this person need to do their job uh, to the best extent and i'm going to make that tweak so that i enable that person and by enabling that person i enable a system 
uh, right so that essentially is how it really translates at a very uh, ground level where you're looking at it from a point of view of saying i will do affirmative action i will make certain accommodations assistance reasonable but i will do this because i need to create an a playing field which is equal ultimately uh, right and that's where i will support somebody in specific so that's the way i would look at uh, equality versus equity i want to add one point there so while madhu also has given all these examples um if people do not understand this um why we are giving you know a, a different laptop or why are we providing for example uh, transportation services to uh, pregnant women or people with disabilities if if that message is not translated clearly it might be perceived as giving special privileges uh oh you're doing so many special things for women you're doing special things for people with disabilities and i think somewhere down the line that's why the specially abled word also came in to identify the community right so mm-hmm. uh, that message can be counterproductive if it's not um, if it's not delivered correctly yeah i would tend to agree and i therefore you know on the overall mindset piece uh, in my mind the actual ownership actually lies with the managers uh you know so to get them the managers of uh, people in the organization to get them to buy into the diversity and inclusion agenda to get them to understand why uh you know this is important why is this necessary how could they participate what is the right way of participation uh, because for example certain communities also are met with a certain gaze of uh sympathy uh, right which very often happens i mean uh, we do something every week called diversity dilemmas where we have people reach out to us and talk to us about you know any questions they have as they are working in a corporate or working in the dni space and i can tell you one of the co- uh, questions that very often comes to me is around this whole thing that i feel like you know i'm treated very very uniquely i'm treated with a lot of you know people pity me i'm treated with a gaze of sympathy i'm not made to feel like i am normal right uh, which uh, you know uh, is equally problematic so for example if there is a person with disability in your team and you're hesitating as a manager to not give feedback or you know poor feedback for to that person because you're saying oh my god i don't know how will the person feel already the person's doing so much even though there is a disability you're actually doing that person a disservice and you're doing the larger ecosystem a disservice as well you know and that person's going to figure out because eventually the person's going to come back to you and say where is my promotion where is my career growth and that time you're going to be like no i don't think you were performing up to the mark you know so therefore mindset becomes and managerial mindset therefore becomes like a very very important thing to look at any kind of mindset change behavioral change really starts from the top so unless these uh, initiatives are supported by and lived uh, on a daily basis um as far as i've also seen by the leaders uh, it has a very uh, it, it's a very difficult task it's an uphill task unless you have that buy in and and that behavioral change right from the top definitely agree with that and thank you that was a capture of equity and equality of ensuring that almost every person's uh, environment or context is 
personalize for them so that they can be the best they can be i mean we talk about hyper personalization uh, in today's kind of digital ai driven world and a lot of it is coming to the hr world as well where our interface with within the organization with hr itself and with leaders is getting hyper personalized so you know not everyone would want i mean i reflect on my father's uh, benefits for example uh, when he used to be in a bank and they used to get this you know ltc leave travel concession every year and everybody used to get a vacation uh, package uh, but not everybody wanted to go on a vacation <laughs> and not every year and uh, you know and they had no choice they had they either went on a holiday and produced the bills or they lost the money but if you look at today and when you talk about equity equality it's all about ensuring some people can take the holiday if they want to but others can do something else with it why not um and and that inclusive uh, nature of understanding this is a, this is an example from compensation and benefit i'm i'm sure there's loads of uh, examples from other ways in which we treat our employees uh, in corporates that can that can learn a lot from what you're saying so thank you for that our time together is uh, you know unfortunately coming to an end uh, ritesh madhav it's been amazing uh, hearing what you do and i can sense the passion and the energy that you bring to your work i can i can hear the the intensity you bring to this uh, to this area which is largely required by us in the in the few minutes we have i would love to uh, madhu first uh, and then ritesh tell us one one final takeaway from you for our for our listeners uh, today about uh, the work uh, happening in uh, diversity and inclusion give us one kind of final takeaway for our listeners that they can walk away with madhu um, you know my key message um, you know takeaway for the viewer would be to say that diversity and inclusion is not just about leadership it's not just about managers it's not done just because a diversity and inclusion head is hired it is each individual's ownership it is each individual's responsibility um to be more inclusive in everything they do and it could start from anywhere Uh, you know you are going to be more inclusive for example um if you build in greater awareness of your biases and choose to act on it so asking yourself every day in terms of who are the people i seem to be liking um sort of gravitating towards why do i not particularly like this person uh, or get along with this person is there my bias coming in somewhere i think that could be a great starting point uh, giving yourself exposure to different communities different groups different kinds of people people who on the face of it uh, you may not choose to have lunch with or you choose to have a conversation with at, at the first level but still going ahead and doing that putting yourself in a space of slight discomfort to be able to open yourself to new possibilities new kinds of people new areas by itself would help you become a lot more diverse in your own circle and then have greater diversity there and thereby help also break some biases um have you become much more inclusive the last is to just speak up speak up if you see a comment that's uh, sort of not not something that's appropriate not something that you like to call that out not just for yourself but for any other individual you see who's not being treated fairly uh, or with respect and calling out or speaking up does not always mean that you need to be um you know rude you need to be uh, picking up a fight it does not mean that it can be done with a great degree of you know a kindness as well to trust that the other person who's making that comment possibly does not know thinks of it as a joke but to take that opportunity to educate yourself and them would be a possible way to go so that's you know some of the key takeaways that i have inclusion does begin with i um and in fact has us in it 
so let's all be inclusive and make inclusion a way of life thank you that is very empowering and and i'd like to say that you know when i was talking about the leadership uh, behaviors this is complementing that i would think that everyone needs to take the destiny of this this area in their own hands and make a contribution that's that's really great um ritesh um i would say um while we are looking at dni uh, in silos and silos are perhaps required when you are looking at you know building uh, for specific areas which are not focused at all for example caste right we uh, in the corporate sector we don't address it so uh, if we have to start looking at caste as a as an area of um, inclusion there will be some things which which are very specific which need to be done so you look at it as silo but also um, look at inclusion holistically uh, because it's about uh, a mindset of being inclusive to another person right and how you how you allow that person to be their best so uh, it could be things like working style it could be introversion extroversion it could be marital parental relationship status so um i think while we look at it in silos it's important to look at it uh, holistically as well so uh, look at intersections look at uh, what it means to a person to to be welcome at the workplace Thank you, Ritesh. Uh, definitely, DNI has many, many areas within it, and even though each one of them needs to be addressed individually, as you say, the approach overall has to be holistic because they all interact directly with the people that uh, uh, that uh, we are engaging with. So, Ritesh, thank you so much. That was a lovely summary. It's been fantastic having both of you here with me, and I'm sure this will be a conversation our listeners will really appreciate. Again, thank you so much for joining me today. Most welcome, Sham. Thank thank you for giving us the opportunity at Diversity Dialogues.